T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It has not been made official, but it looks like it is trending that way. Tommy Reese is going to be the new tight ends coach. And it's funny, there's been so much reaction to this, and a lot of it was Tommy didn't play um, tight end in uh, in college. He was a quarterback. Uh, I actually really kind of like this move, Dustin, and I, th- I think it starts with the number one thing I like about it is it is somebody who has play-calling experience that is from a different walk of life that I think is new blood to the staff. And so, you know, one of the things that somebody like Vrabel did such a good job at was having a guy like Arthur Smith as his tight ends coach when he hired somebody else as his OC. And a year in, I think it was Todd Downing, actually. And I think a year in, it didn't work, and they kind of made the move to uh, to to Arthur because he was on the staff, and by that point, he was familiar. And so I just love the idea of he's a young voice. He's got experience uh, under Brian Kelly in that offense at Notre Dame. And obviously, he's worked for for Saban. Like I, I kind of, if that's the best hire you make, I won't be happy. But in terms of the first hire you make, I kind of like the direction and hope we see more yeah. guys like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, so far it's it's been a positive. I, I just don't know what the role is going to be mm-hmm. for these guys. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I, I think tight ends coach was a thing floated, but we've talked about the idea of like a passing game coordinator kind of title for Tommy Rees. Honestly, that kind of stuff. Uh, not to go full Andrew Barry on everyone, but like that's the kind of stuff that you kind of tend to analyze when you see the whole picture together. And I want to try and refrain from overreacting until we do see it. But like you know, Gerard Johnson uh, was called uh, you know, somebody who could become the the favorite for the offensive coordinator job. I think what's interesting is, and it is one way you could have gone, but I think it's interesting that it does seem like, you know, in that case, you'd be going inexperienced offensive coordinator in Gerard Johnson. And from the NFL perspective, Tommy Reese has has won um, one season as, I think, a GA at, uh, a, I mean, like general assistant at uh, for the Chargers back in 2013. How much does the experience matter? Uh, it depends. I mean, I think young coaches can certainly do a good job. I mean, like Tommy Reese is a guy who played quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't an NFL type player, but I mean he was a, a great college quarterback, and has now spent time with multiple really good college programs, and I think he understands offenses. And and frankly, a lot of the NFL is is trans transitioning to a more of a college sort of style offense, and that's frankly what Deshaun probably would thrive in anyway. I also like 
I don't know how you feel about this. I like the idea of putting together an offensive staff. You know, like this is really Kevin's kind of chance to bring in guys he believes in that could be future head coaches, future coordinators for you, that kind of stuff. I kind of like the idea of bringing in guys from different staffs. Like Gerard Johnson, if that was the guy, would be from Houston. I don't think they're going to hire Deuce Staley, but like Deuce has been in Philly. He's been in Detroit. He's been in Carolina. Uh, Tommy Reese coming from, you know, Bama and and, uh, Notre and, and Notre Dame. Like there's a part of me that even if one guy isn't the spread expert or even if one guy is more of a West Coast guy, I do love the idea of bringing in multiple guys because I think like – to me, the greatest coaching staff we never talked about ever was Mike Shanahan in like 2011, where his tight ends coach was Sean McVay, his OC was his son, Mike McDaniel was on that staff. There are a couple other guys. I think one of the LaFleurs was on that staff. And so you just had a bunch of football nerds getting together and and nerding out and just drawing up plays and scheming things up just because it was like a tick for them. I think everything I've ever heard about Tommy Reese is he's just a football junkie and loves drawing up concepts and stuff like that. You know, Gerard Johnson uh, worked on a staff uh, with a buddy of mine in Indianapolis. And I all I've ever heard is that very much football junkie, kind of loves the X's and O's, loves the ins and outs of it. Uh, Clint Kubiak, who is also potentially going to interview for this job, is a football lifer, football junkie, real X's and O's guys. I think if you get three or four of those guys, I think I think that's a case where iron sharpens iron. sharpens iron. I really do like if that's going to be the trend, even though I'd like more experience and the Callahan stuff does have me scared bleepless. Like, I think there's almost two ways to go. Like, when, I, when I'm trying to judge what they're going to do at offensive coordinator, it is, all right, do you just have a great collection of minds? Is that what you're looking for when you kind of put together your coaching staff? Or you got to go out there and get all war daddies, guys who, like who you just fired and Stump Mitchell, guys who have, you know, 50, 55, 60 years old, guys who've been in the NFL for 30 years. I, I think you got to have a combination, but you also have to have trust for the for the coach. You know, like you can just have you can have young coaches on a staff, but if those guys don't have responsibilities that you uh, you, you trust in them, then it's going to be a different deal. Like, you know, old heads are, are sometimes stuck in their ways and don't want to allow new ideas and collaboration, things like that. And if a team's like that, I mean, it's not going to be good for anybody. I mean, it's not that's not how you win. Um, you, you have backstabbing. You'll have guys that are just trying to look out for themselves. And when it, it's not about just the ultimate team goal of trying to come together and, and win and do whatever it takes and take any idea, no matter who it comes from. It could come from the damn janitor. It could be like, you know, you need to run a little more of the outside zone here, coach. Okay, great. Let me take a look. Like any – I'm being – but I mean, like you get the point. Yeah. Um, so what are you going to be judging this offensive coordinator higher on? For me, I'm just more interested in kind of how everything fits together. And, and the fact that there are coaches with spread experience in there. I think mm-hmm. that's incredible. But like, those are the two things, whether they're war daddies, whether they're, you know, 31 year olds, it doesn't really matter to me. Cause in the end, uh, this is where I do think like th- there is an element with Kevin Stefanski of trust I do trust him because of what he's done with some of his young assistants to give those guys the opportunities to to be the best version of themselves. I think the Reese thing's interesting though. Like I think I think Tommy Reese, who's never played the position and now is walking into a, a room with David and Joku coming off a career season, 
he better be talking to every tight end he's ever worked with and just be like, all right, what can you give me? What can you give me that I go into a room with with David Njoku, with, with Jordan Akins, a guy who himself I think is a six-year pro now. What can you give me that they've never heard before? Because I think that is a huge thing about, and you can speak to this, like I think anybody who's ever played any level of sports knows when their positional coach doesn't know the position they're coaching. And I, I had it in track. We had a runner coaching shot put, and I hated the guy. He used to make us do box jumps just simply because the runners were doing it. I still am furious about it. You can tell I'm not a jumper. I'm not a leaper. All right? Me, uh, I, I throw heavy things. That's my skill in life. Um, but, no, I mean, for you, like, how big of a deal is it that Tommy Reese doesn't have any experience coaching the tight end position and he's walking into a room with David Njoku? Yeah, turn it, Mike. Well, I just said um. I'm thinking here. I know, but I wanted that. I wanted, wanted people the um to hear the, the um. Yeah, people needed to hear the um. um. There you go. That was a strong um. He's really, he's really. I'm really, here. I'm really umming over here. You are really. the The show is really umming. Show is umming. I don't think it matters. Really? Why not? Yeah, yeah I mean, because I, I mean, listen, Tommy Reese is coming from a great program. I mean, here's the thing too. Like, he's young enough to relate to these guys. Like, Njoku's like what, 28? I don't even know anymore. Ish. He he's been perma twenties forever. I kind of hate him. Twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, that's know. what happens when you draft him when he's twenty. Twenty nine, Mac. Mac's eating. I, what, Mac, what, you're just. What did you say? Mac 26? is just point, ha- holding up hands without realizing that there's. He's not twenty nine. He's got to be like twenty seven, right? There yeah, you go. There go. Mac was just holding up fingers, and what Mac didn't realize is there are there are things obfuscating his view and my view. I'm not calling you out, Mac. It was very funny. Here we go. Now Mac is around the computer. No, no, no. Don't go back. All right. Give it. All right. Show me. There. Two. Wait. You just. So 29. You just held two and then seven. I'm just being a D to Mac. Partially. <laughs> so Lord, Lord I, I, I think we got off the uh, topic there just a little bit. Um, so what are you judging this OC higher on? Or not just the OC, but all these, the, the kind of moves. Well, first off, are we sure that the OC is going to call plays? I don't think we are, no. Okay. I, I think... Zach sort of alluded to that. And then Kenny this morning, or yesterday, said the same thing. Which, what thing? Because you... That, 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 he thinks Stavansky is going to be willing to give up play calling. Um, so I, I think that's something... I, I think that's something that they're saying. I don't know that they're actually going to follow through with it. I think I think yesterday, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I think I think Kevin should. I think it should be a clean slate, and it's actually not to do anything with Kevin. It's just to do with you're overhauling the system. I thought Kevin's play calling with Deshaun was clunky. That's not really Kevin's fault. I think it's a fit issue. But like Kevin's three greatest strengths as an offensive mind are his ability to script plays, are his ability to schedule guys open on the field. And just overall, big picture, we're going to try a home run here. Two of those three things probably don't fit with Deshaun Watson. What do you think? I mean, I have no idea. Deshaun's had such a minimal sample size, it's hard to say. I think that is a fair rebuttal. I also don't think you can wait any more on sample size. Like I think this kind of goes back to like the Bucks firing their head coach when they're when they're second in the East, 
It was what did I say, seventeen games above five hundred, I believe is what I said. I I think you know I think Kevin and Deshaun have worked together enough in and out of practice, in and out of of games, that even though there's only eleven games between the two of them together, mm-hmm. I I think Kevin probably knows whether he's gonna be comfortable calling the game that best serves Deshaun. But I also think that the everybody that they've potentially talked about here, Clint Kubiak, Gerard Johnson, I would be shocked if any one of those guys called plays over Kevin Stefanski. I would be shocked at this point. I think the only reason, the only way Kevin doesn't call plays next year is if they bought in a a play caller with significant experience. Two, three, four, ten seasons of play calling. I, and I don't think that's the way they're going. I think they're going to go young guy. I think that's what Kevin wants. Young guy who is, you know, innovative, mm-hmm. smart. But how much say are you going to give the guy? Probably as much as Alex Van Pelt had. Brian Baldinger. I have honestly, no idea how much that was. Um, could have been a lot. Could have been a little. You just never know. <laughs> yeah, or it could have been right in between those two things. On the line is Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. Uh, Balding now joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Balding, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, good afternoon, guys. Good to be with you. Thanks. Well, first, I just want to let—I just want to get you uh, and your thoughts on uh, going for it on fourth and five at your own thirty in about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter in a playoff game. Just—I don't have any game to correlate it to, but does that sound like a smart idea to you? Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but I—I—but I, I, I don't study these analytics the way some people do. So I don't care if I roll a dice a thousand times and, you know, 550 times it says, you know, go for it. I don't care. I'm, I'm not going for it uh, on that situation. Uh, it's, too, it's too risky. I mean, I understand that uh, sometimes you got to take gambles, but not, not in that situation. Baldy, I'm curious how, you know, obviously Kansas City continues to beat Buffalo and this time it was in Buffalo, adding a new layer to this. How – how or like what is the gap between those two things? What's the difference between Kansas City and Buffalo right now? A kick? Well, I mean, it's it, it, in that game, it's health. I mean, Buffalo is so beat up. They're without Gabe Davis. They're without Matt Milano, Ter- um, Terrell Bernard, uh, Christian Benford. I mean, they've got five or six starters out of the game, and and then they had injuries during the game. I mean, it, they go to Kansas City and they beat them uh, when they're generally healthier. But they, uh, you know, they're, they're not healthy. They weren't healthy enough. I thought that was the difference in the game. Um, you know, Kansas City, uh, you know, ran their offense a whole lot better, and they ran the ball a lot better than what they had done against Buffalo in large part because of so many backups that were in the, in the game. I think that's the difference right now. Two things. Uh, ha- have you ever seen a better throw than, than Allen made to Diggs? No. And then Diggs got to yeah. make that catch. That changes the game, right? Totally. Totally. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, Allen's throw to Shakir in the very corner of the end zone on third and 13, rolling to his left and put it right right where he had to put it, the only place he could put it. Um, that shot was amazing. But that shot to Diggs was 60 yards in the air. It was right where – Diggs probably makes that catch a great deal of the time, but in that spot, he didn't come down with it. And, you know, that might haunt them through much of the offseason. They could have definitely changed the game. Baldy, looking at the rest of this divisional round, what, did any of the uh, any outcomes surprise you with with how everything lied into uh, or fell into our conference championship matchups? 
I guess just uh, how how poorly Brock Purdy played for much of the game. That surprised me because he hadn't played like that where he's just and maybe it was the rain, maybe it was the rust, maybe it was the glove, no glove. Um, but he didn't look like he had normally looked. He missed too many open receivers. If Green Bay could catch, you know, we'd be talking about Green Bay going to the championship. So um, they dropped a couple right in their hands. But that, that surprised me. And then um, I guess uh, I guess Green Bay's success in offense, I mean, outside of a couple throws, to Dre Greenlaw, I thought Green Bay's offense played really good, and they had a great chance to win that game against a good defense. And so, uh, Green Bay is—they're ahead of schedule. They're going to be—they should be in the playoffs next year, and they should be very competitive. I mean, that—that's a very, very young team playing very good football. Uh, you know, listen, this is going to be an interesting NFC Championship game. I feel like if you don't live in California and you're not a Niners fan, like 90% of America is rooting for the Lions, and why shouldn't they? Because it's been like 30 years since they've been here. Um, it, what a run Dan Campbell and this team has had in an opportunity to uh, to punch their ticket to a Super Bowl. Well, it is, and they will be the underdogs. And, you know, people that don't have a rooting interest, they're going to be cheering for Detroit uh, just because of the dearth of success the franchise has had. But, I, you know, I, I think they're the – the only group of people on the planet that believes they, they, they deserve to be there. They thought they deserved to be there on opening night in Kansas city uh, to start the season off when everybody thought that was a mistake and they beat Kansas city that night. Uh, I, I, I feel like they have drafted as well as any team in the league over the last three years. And the stars in that team prove it uh, every time they line up on both sides of the ball. And then uh, the coach is a legitimate coach. He was a good interim coach and, in Miami, he got a chance at Detroit, and he's shown you that he's a good coach. He put a good staff together. He's been with Ben Johnson. I mean, Ben Johnson was, I don't know, his tight ends coach in Miami. I don't even know what his role was there. But, you know, here he is, one of the elite offensive minds in this league, going to go head-to-head with Kyle Shanahan. They believe they belong, and that's that's the best part of it right now. On the North Homestead, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hotline, and his Odyssey NFL insider, Brian Baldinger. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice Gentlemen's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization. I know we've all been worried about that because men have skin, too. Uh, Baldy, I, I think if we go to Kansas City and say who's the most important player to a championship, I think everybody knows it'd be Pat Mahomes. Uh, if we take Pat off and say who is the second most important Chiefs player to a championship this year, who would you say it is? I'd probably say Chris Jones. Uh, he, he, he had two dominant plays in that game in the fourth quarter. He knows how to close that game out. He has done it in championship games and Super Bowls before. Um, he knows exactly when to I – mean, he hit Josh, Mahone, uh, Josh Allen on that throw to Shakir in the end zone, and it, that bump was just enough to, to make it an errant throw. Otherwise, maybe Buffalo – is in uh, in the championship game. I think Chris Jones is the the most important piece. He makes that defense, which is very very good, second best defense in the league. I think that he makes that defense special. Uh, Spags is a great coordinator. They've got like good a lot of good young talent. But I think Chris is is the guy that's special in that defense. You look at the quarterbacks that are left. I mean, this is probably an easy answer. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. But I mean, there's four, four quarterbacks left here in this championship weekend. Who do you trust the most right now? Uh, I, I trust Mahomes. I mean, he's he's just done it too many times. I mean, yeah. he's the best player in the league. I, I think Baltimore is a better team, uh, and I think Baltimore should be favored to win, but I would never, ever bet against Mahomes. 
So what do you do? What do you do if you're a fan, if you're a betting person? Like, how do you bet against that guy? Like, every time you try to count that guy out, he's just right there, and nothing bothers him, nothing keeps him down. Um, the guy's just the ultimate player in this whole sport right now. Uh, but, you know, this is Lamar. This might be Lamar's time. We'll see. He's played excellent this year. He was excellent last week against Houston. Uh, but the guy, the guy that you can't ever count out is Mahomes. Brian, obviously here in Cleveland, we're still licking our wounds from the earlier-than-expected playoff uh, exit there after the loss to the, the Texans there. As we start to kind of look forward for the Cleveland Browns here, I'm just curious, from a talent perspective, do you think the Browns are well-positioned to make a second straight postseason run next year? I do. I mean, they played the entire year, basically, without Nick Chubb. He's the best player. Um, you know, you take the best player off anybody's team, and are they making a championship run? Generally not. If you took Mahomes off, they're not. I mean, if you took Lamar off, Baltimore's not making this run. I mean, Nick Chubb's their best player. So I don't know what's, what health he's going to have next year. But I, he's come back from this injury before. I think he comes back. Um, I talked to Joe Flacco today for a long time. He wants to come back. I think they should bring him back. I don't know if what their situation is going to be, but it's good to have a, uh, a quality backup guy that can really help anybody, any quarterback in any offense out at any time during the season just because of his knowledge of the game and what he's been through. And then defensively, they're not that far away, although I, I'm a little concerned about what we saw from Miles Garrett's second half of the season. He just didn't look like the same player didn't have the same impact in games. And I just wonder, like, what's going on, if there's going to be a drop-off or if he can just return to being, you know, one of the league's most feared players. Baldy, you were talking about returning Joe Flacco, and we, you know, that's going to be a huge talking point all this offseason. But as the Browns try and rebuild their offensive staff and potentially build a new offense here, can you build an offense that fits both Deshaun Watson and Joe Flacco this offseason? Sure. Sure. I mean, like. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You'll design runs or, you know, some read options and things like that with Deshaun just to keep defenses honest. But the, the majority of the offense is going to be the same. I mean, you still have to throw the ball on third down. You still got to complete red zone passes. I mean, you're still going to have to throw the ball 
on third and 13 and complete throws. And so, yes, I believe that you can uh, put together an offense that can cater to both Deshaun and to, and to Joe. Brian Baldinger on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. You've said, and, and you did a lot of film work on Dewan Jones, um, this next season, if they bring all three players back, they will return Jack Conklin, their previous starting right tackle, Jed Wills, their previous starting left tackle, and obviously Dewan, who played uh, predominantly on the right side as a rookie. I'm just curious, do you do you give uh, Dewan Jones a chance at left tackle knowing you're going into Jed Wills last year? of his contract and Jed has had some up and down moments as the starting left tackle in Cleveland. I've never seen Dewan on the left side, so I don't know if he can hold up over there against, uh, you know, all the animals that they got to compete against out there. I don't know. I don't know what, it, like I talked to Tristan Wirfs. He was a all pro right tackle in Tampa and they moved him to left tackle this year. And it was a tough transition. He, he played well second half of the season, but it, it was not easy and it didn't, happen naturally to him. So you don't, you don't really know until they're asked to do it. Um, but you know, you like to like throw him out there, Bill Callahan, throw him out there this off season and see how his sets are. If his sets are as consistent as they are at right tackle, which was highly consistent. Then I'd say he has a chance. Brian Baldinger is with us on the hotline. Odyssey NFL insider does everything for NFL network. You, you guys obviously love him. We have him on every week. I uh, want to ask you about the NFC Championship game one more time. Uh, Debo yeah. Samuel's in limbo. We don't know if he's going to play or not. How, how big is that? In, and obviously, if he doesn't play, um, you, you mentioned the Niners will be favored in this game. Does that give the Lions a chance? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not as good without Debo. I mean, I thought Jawan Jennings stepped up big time. He had his best game of the year uh, on Sunday. Debo played nine plays. Uh, Jawan went in there and played 40 plays, the most he's played all year. And he, he came up big. He had a couple of really big catches. Uh, in the middle of the field, and uh, on the final drive, got a kind of a drive starter going. But they're not nearly as dangerous without Debo. I mean, they tried to line Jawan Jennings up at, at, at running back like they do with Debo. It was kind of silly. It was, it was actually dumb. I don't know why they did that. He's, he's got no quickness. But he's a big guy that catches the ball well. But they're, they're easier to defend if Debo's not in the lineup. And so, it, you know, it, it, you take a great player off the field that has uh, really a multiple of skills. <laughs> They're not going to be as difficult to defend. And they just don't look as dangerous. He, he gives that whole team, not just the offense, he gives the whole team a toughness um, when he has the ball in his hands. Baldy, looking back to the Browns here, uh, Bill Callahan, his son, uh, Brian, just got the head coaching job in yep. Tennessee. There's some thought that he, he could follow his son there and leave the Browns. And I'm just – it has me worried because I just – when you have an elite offensive line coach, I mean, in this case, it's family. You can't stand in the way, but it just it, that's to me that's the most valuable thing is an elite offensive line coach. What position coach, from your vantage point, is the toughest to find an elite level coach at? Not well, offensive line coach. I mean, if they lose Bill Callahan, forget it. Like this thing might collapse. I mean, everywhere Bill's gone and then left, the offensive line went backwards after he left. I mean, Philly, Washington, Dallas. I mean, all the places he's been. The line went backwards after he left. Because he does more than just the offense line. He does the run game. Like, he, when he stands up in front of the room, he could be the head coach. Some people think he should be the head coach. Like he's, just got a, he's just a commanding figure. And then to look what he did this past year with Jerron Christian coming in off the street, like getting guys ready to play, um, developing players. Nick Harris, pick a guy. 
Like he just white teller. Like he develops players. Um, he's he's one of the top three offensive line coaches in this business. It would be a tremendous loss, but it's the most valuable coach on anybody's staff. Baldy, excellent stuff as always, man. We've only got uh, a two weekends of uh, playoff action left, so savor them, and we uh, we savor every uh, chance we get to meet with you, bud. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Talk to you next week. Uh, Brian Callahan, who was the offensive coordinator for Cincinnati, has been interviewing the last couple of years to be a head coach, and he finally got a job uh, this year in Tennessee. And I'll be honest with you, I I second everything Baldy said. I think it is. I think finding a coach the level of Bill Callahan on the offensive line is as impossible of a task as there is when building a staff, no matter whether you're building at the start of the coaching search or whether you're building it at the end. And it has me really shook. I mean, well, you're a big guy yourself, and so you're a big offensive line fan. I am. I know that. I mean, just from the years we've been together, you're just, you're, you're a big O-line guy. I'm just a big trench play guy. I, I think you, that. You play in the trenches? Yeah. Well, not and just you, that. You, you get your hands dirty. Not just that. Um, it's also that I just think that's the second most important thing to quarterback play is is how are you built in the trenches on either side of the ball. Well, and somehow he's piecemealed this thing together with, like, guys who we've never heard of before. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, like, the development of Ethan Posick, who Ethan was in Seattle. Ethan was probably a little bit of a disappointment his first few years, he started a lot in Seattle, but wasn't really a, a high-functioning player. He came here, moved to center, and Ethan has been kind of the bedrock of your offensive line in between Batonio and Wyatt Teller. And I think, like, I think you're in an interesting spot where you're also going to have to start making decisions. I think, I think Batonio and Teller together are scheduled to make something ridiculous, like forty million dollars or thirty-five million dollars you might have to make a decision on one of those guards. Trying to replace either, and it would probably be Joel because Joel's a little bit older, but trying to replace either one of those dudes this offseason without Bill Callahan suddenly feels like gigantic. And that's before we get to, hey, what do we do with DeWan Jones next year? That's that's before we talk about the development of uh, the Ohio State kid, the, the center they drafted, whose name is escaping me right now. James Hudson is a developmental player, probably inside moving forward. Like, you could say Jim Schwartz is leaving tomorrow, and I'd be pretty concerned. Still wouldn't be as concerned as losing Bill Callahan. He just said it. He said every team that he's left, the O-line has gotten worse. Yeah, and like Washington, because that was the last team he left. Washington brought in John Matsko, who had 30 years of coaching offensive line, who is generally regarded as one of the better offensive line coaches in the last 30 years. Correct. And that offensive line, I mean, honestly, still, but four years after Bill has never refound, never found that footing that they had towards the end there with some of the players, uh, like guys like Chase Rulier, who he kind of yeah. developed. Like I just, the worst part of all this is you can't really rebut it. Hey, I want to go coach with my son. Oh, you mean the dream? Oh, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, you mean you mean I'm it's gonna like, go. It's like when uh, like Lane Kiffin had Monty on his staff. Yes. Or even his brother, uh, Chris. Yeah. Like when they had the three Kiffins, the dueling Kiffins, as yeah. it were. Like you just, okay, all right. It's like a dream thing. You're going to help your son. And, and not just that. Especially if it's your dad, but really any coach. I mean, it was the best hire they made four years ago. And so to hear, 
I, the, well, the second that I saw Brian, and it was only a matter of oh, time. You know, by the way, like if, I, if I'm the Titans, uh, I'm bringing back King Henry. <laughs> if, I'm getting Cal, oh. if I'm getting Callahan. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That running game will hill off 2,000 yards. Not just that, but it he makes you feel like you can do anything on that offensive line, and you're going to be fine. Meaning, hey, we got this guy that we think is a pretty good player, but he's kind of over uh, overpaid. Uh, we're thinking about either trading him or cutting him. Well, we got Bill Callahan here, so who gives a damn? He'll he'll turn some undrafted free agent into a starting right guard or right tackle. You he'll know be, what I mean? He'll be all a pro. Don't worry. Two one six four seven four double oh nine two. How how concerning is the news that that Bill Callahan could be headed to Tennessee? And it's not a foregone conclusion, but I you know, thinking back to Andy Dickerson, uh, who they interviewed for the offensive coordinator job earlier, what, late last week actually? Yes. I'm going to go ahead and say that was always the contingency plan for interviewing him. You interviewed at least one guy out there that could that is available. I mean, Shane Waldron just went from being uh, Seattle's offensive coordinator to being the offensive coordinator in Chicago. But go ahead and say the reason you interviewed uh, the, the Seahawks old O-line coach is just in case of emergency, an emergency kind of is hit here. Break glass. Do you think... Is there any other coach who would make you sweat? I've said it. That he is the ultimate one. Is there any other coach who make you sweat like this? Like we lost him? Yeah. On, like this, on, on this staff? Yeah. No. Not even Bubba or or Jim? No, they don't make that, that, that big of an impact. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jim does, I guess. But, I mean, like, not Bubba. I just think. And I actually think that Callahan has more of an impact than probably Schwartz does. I, I would especially concerned the, the circumstances that they had to deal with this year. Like I, Schwartz, Schwartz is coaching like five all pros. Yeah. Well, and I think so. It's funny. Like if you had asked me, if you had asked me ten years ago, what's the most important positional coach in the field? I might not say it's his runaway with offensive line, but because the college game has changed and and college continues to put out work uh, project after project into the NFL where unless you are a top five, top 10 pick on the offensive line, you're going to need major overhaul because you're just not ready to play in, in the NFL. And it's just hit or miss the guys you're bringing in. I, I think the state of the college game and honestly, the, the, the move to more of a spread oriented offense has only made guys like, you know, uh, Bill Callahan and Jeff Stoutland in Philly that much more uh, important. Jed, welcome to the show, Jed. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Doing very well. Good to talk to you. What you got for us? Well, um, two things. First of all, Baldy said something, and you said something that I completely disagree with, and that is how dare you? Um, our offense, what, can you imagine how good Flacco would have been with Nick Chubb in the background this year? Yeah, it would have been even more lethal. He might he might actually not have had as many turnovers just because he wouldn't have had to throw the same way. See, I totally agree. And my point is, if Nick Chubb, if we're going to a guy that's got – and I don't want to do the whole Flacco versus Watson thing. That's not the point. But if we're going to a guy that's played 12 games or whatever in three years and then getting rid of our best player or minimizing our best player, Nick Chubb, for a spread offense, why on earth would we do that? Um, mostly because I don't think you're going to minimize Nick Chubb by going to a spread offense or a split spread, whatever the hell you want to call Kevin's West Coast, that kind of thing. Name one, name one running back in the league that's in a true spread offense that they're going to try to put in that is impactful. Name one. That's fair. I can't think of one. 
In right. fairness, how many teams in the spread? Pacheco. <laughs> I like that. How many how many teams in the spread uh, have a Nick Chubb? Meaning, like, they tend well, to but, eskew a bell cow back in that kind of offense. But isn't that my point? I mean, why would we – I don't think – I disagree with Baldy. I don't think there's an offense that can do both, that could actually fit both Watson, who's going to get hurt, and Flacco. They're going to have to change it again halfway through the year like that this year. Yeah, I thought – I will actually say, like, I'm glad you said that because that was one of the other things we'll, we'll run back with Baldy at some point. That was the part that did surprise me, him saying the bulk of the offense is going to be the same between Deshaun and, and between uh, Deshaun and Joe. Jed, Jed, I appreciate yeah. you, buddy. Later, guys. See ya. Jed, giving us a call there. I think that's the first time Later, I, I remember talking with Jed. I, I like it. We disagree on football. I, sorry, we disagree on football. We disagree on some things, but I like that. Um, I don't know why I'm continuing to talk about Jed. Jed was nice. Yeah, you're you're the- like obsessed. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.